get under the convicting word of God. And that's the only thing that will save people is to, first of all, be gotten under conviction. Nobody will ever be saved until the Holy Spirit draws them. The Holy Spirit convicts them. And, you know, unless somebody tells them, you know, they're, they're just hopeless. They're hopeless and they're helpless without that. So we need to do our part. All right, let's turn over. Uh, let's see. Turn over to 323. We'll stay on that theme. I love to tell the story. You know, there's another thing that uh, will ask the question, you know, do we love to tell the story? You know, we should, shouldn't we? All right. I love to tell the story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. On the second, I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story it did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love on the third i love to tell the story tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time i tell it more wonderfully sweet i love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's unholy word. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the and his love. I love to tell the story
glory for those who know it best. Seems hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Well, that is, that's a great song. You know, that uh, third verse, I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat what all seems, what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. You know, we take that for granted, don't we, that everybody knows. They don't know. You know, and we, you know, we live right here in the Bible Belt, and I, I think we'd be surprised to know what percentage of people that are just outside these doors that have never heard the story. And again, if we don't tell them, who's going to? You know, if not us, who? If not now, when? If not here, where? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's sobering when we really think about it, about how, how we let Christ down, how we let the gospel down, and how we fail in telling the story. Because, you know, I, I think we just, we're not as concerned as we need to be, number one. Number two, we're, you know, we're creatures that are, uh, we don't like rejection. You know, we don't like to be told no, and we don't like to feel like maybe somebody's looking down on us or making fun of us because of, of what we believe or what we're saying. But, man, that should not make a difference to us. You know, we, we should do it uh, out of love. Uh, even more, we should do it out of obedience. Great. You know, we're told to do that. Not, the Bible doesn't suggest that we do that. It says go into all the world and tell them. And we need to need to do that. But I was talking to, I guess it was uh, Jeannie and uh, the girls when we were, I think, on the way to lunch. But you know, this this is foreign to me standing up here and leading singing. I've never had to do this before, and don't don't feel like I've got the soprano voice to do it. But one thing it, it has made me do is pay attention to the words of the songs. You know, sometimes we just sing and we know them or we read them and just read right through them. But when you start really reading the words of these old precious hymns i mean they have a they'll preach to you they flat will preach to you they'll convict you and i'm 286 we're going to sing 286 and i'll tell you one thing it makes a big difference having a piano to sing with too rather than just you know singing without one so i'm thankful for anybody that sits behind the piano and helps with the music because it does make a difference 286, that's the Glory Land way, is that right? Mary, that's what we're seeing, looks like it's an F. Is that one sharp, is that an F? Sharp. Just sharp. 
We A has that a G? What is? Okay, that's a G. That's my mistake. It's been a long time. I was going to say you can be seated, but you've already done so. Amen. It is good to be in the Lord's house tonight, is it not, church? Amen. Amen. Appreciate how the Lord helped us this morning, and I can't speak for anybody else, but I did get some help today, and I hope the Lord will give us a little bit more tonight. One thing about it, if we don't get anything out of the service, it sure isn't the Lord's fault, and most often it's not the preacher's fault. Amen. Uh, amen. If we'll prepare ourselves and uh, if we'll come hungry... And having a desire to hear from God, I believe the Lord will, uh, amen, provide us with what we need. Hey, listen, the help you need, it doesn't come from, from me. It doesn't come from this pulpit. It doesn't come from a songbook. It comes from the Word of God. Amen. The Bible is uh, what provides us with that spiritual nourishment that we all stand in need of. But again, I do appreciate you being here tonight. Appreciate, uh, again, was very encouraged this morning. Felt as if uh, the Lord helped us. And, um, amen, you don't know what you're going to face this week, what you might go through in your life, in your family, on your job. Amen. So you better prepare yourself now for the unknowns that lay ahead for you in the future. Amen. All right. 
just by way of announcement, uh, there we will have the prayer gathering uh, this upcoming Saturday uh, at the, the uh, Green County Courthouse um, at 11 o'clock a.m. So come gather with us as we pray for our community, pray for our churches, our families, our young people, and certainly our nation. We need prayer, church. I'm telling you, America needs prayer. Greenville needs prayer. I need prayer. Uh, amen. The youth need prayer. We could just go on and on. Uh, amen. But I do believe there's hope, and I believe there's help. But uh, we can't just sit back and expect God to do all everything. He'll do his part, but he does uh, have certain things he expects out of us. And uh, amen. I think that's what you say, preacher, why are we in the shape we're in? Well, it's not because of anything God wants or doesn't want. Amen. It's because uh, we've not been faithful on our end uh, to do our part. So uh, amen. Let's pray. That's the first step. When you don't know what else to do, when you don't, uh, when you're, uh, amen, uh, when you're confused, uh, when you don't know where to turn, which way to go, the best thing you can do is pray. Amen. Uh, there's power in prayer. I still believe the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Amen. Uh, amen. What about prayer requests tonight? Um, anything that we need to pray about this evening? Any special prayer requests tonight? Amen. Right. Uh, yes, sir. Remember the Johnny Mac Brown family? Yes, I was. Uh, I had the privilege to see uh, uh, Shirley Niece that passed away several months back. LV's wife, uh, her brother. Uh, we saw him today at the harvest, and uh, when we preached Shirley's funeral several months back, um, uh, the Lord was really dealing with Jimmy. He's lost, doesn't know the Lord, and uh, but you could tell he seemed to be glad to see me today. So let's just pray that the Lord would get a hold of his heart. He has cancer. And, uh, amen, we just uh, need to pray the Lord will bring him under a state of conviction. Amen. So pray for uh, Jimmy Seaton. Appreciate that, Mom. Remember um, Becky, I'm sure y'all know Becky. She uh, was is not able to be here. She wanted to be here tonight, but she had to work. But she said, please remember Tony Gray uh, in prayers. Remember Tony Gray. Somebody else? Still need to pray for those in Hawaii. They're still suffering from that awful tragedy. And uh, others um, uh, don't want to get overly political tonight, but we need to pray for the residents of New Mexico as um, uh, the governor of that state has uh, made some very uh, aggressive moves as it relates to the Second Amendment. 
so remember the citizens of New Mexico. Yep. Amen. Say, preacher, what is what are all these uh, calamities and natural disasters? Well, I believe they're birth pains. Amen. You say, well, it's always we've always had these things. Well, to a certain extent, you're right. But the Bible says that uh, uh, that the calamities and the disasters uh, that occur in the world that they will intensify uh, as we get closer to the Lord's return. And uh, I believe the Lord's trying to get our attention. Uh, amen. Trying to wake us up and help us to realize just how close we are uh, to His return. Amen. That's right. Anyone else this evening? Jennifer Hensley in prayer. Anyone else? Remember Cheryl Davis, I was able to talk with her yesterday on the phone. Also pray for Miss Elizabeth Ward as uh, she called me this morning. So remember, remember all of our sick and shut-in. Remember our widows, uh, those in the hospital, nursing home. Uh, amen. We don't need to forget about them. Any other prayer needs this evening? Unspoken requests by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones we need to pray for. Amen. We'll gather around the altar. We'll bring these requests for the Lord in prayer. Pray for our missionaries on the field. Uh, amen. Pray for uh, a burden. Uh, amen. That God will burden their hearts for the souls of lost men. Dad's already mentioned that. Uh, amen. We need a burden. More so in our day than we ever have. Amen. Okay, Bryson folks, remember this need in prayer also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do love you tonight. Lord, we do thank you, Father, that we can come into your house and worship you, Father. And um, certainly we don't deserve um, that, but Father, we're just so thankful for mercy and grace, God, that... Um, Lord provides us uh, with the boldness, God, as we study this morning in the book of Hebrews where the Bible says that we can come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we need you today more than we ever have. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we stand, uh, Lord, in uh, a destitute uh, world, a world that uh, is godless, a world that has abandoned God. Lord, we live in an apostate nation, a Lord that's turned its back on the very one that made us who we are. Um, and God, Lord, um, it would be very easy for us to become frustrated and discouraged, Lord, to uh, cultivate an attitude of defeat in our lives. But Father, we can't do that. Lord, we know that uh, many have uh, walked a harder road than what we're walking. Uh, Lord, many have uh, gone through a deeper valley than the one's uh, that uh, we're walking through in our world today. Father, help us to keep up, help us uh, keep our heads up, help us to stay encouraged, Lord, to, um, uh, Lord, to be mindful of the causes uh, that you've caused us to stand for and 
Lord, uh, God, the urgency, the need that exists, and Lord, the reality, uh, Father, Lord, that you're still in control. God, uh, uh, our lives are not an accident. It's not a coincidence. Lord, you are ordaining our steps. Lord, you're ordering our pathway, Father, and uh, God, uh, you knew what we'd go through before it ever entered into our minds or our imagination. Bless the service tonight. Uh, bless every song that's sung, Lord, every prayer that's prayed, testimonies that are given out, most of all, the Word of God as it's preached. Father, that it would not fall on deaf ears. God, make an eternal difference in our lives, God. Uh, God, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would just continue to put a hedge of protection about this church and about these ministries. And, Lord, help us not to forget uh, what you've done for us in the past, Lord, and allow that to motivate us, Lord, uh, uh, God, and strengthen our faith, God, knowing what you can do in the future. Uh, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just take that which the devil has meant for evil against us and you'd work it together for our good. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless every prayer request that's being uh, made known tonight. Lord, I pray for uh, uh, Amber Kessler, bless her. Uh, pray for the Johnny Mac Brown family, Lord. I do pray, God, especially for... Uh, Jimmy Seaton, Lord, and uh, his need to be saved, Father. I pray for uh, Tony Gray, uh, this request that Becky has given to us tonight. Uh, I pray for our visitors, God, this morning, and the mother, Lord, that uh, seemingly had the stroke. Lord, all those who are suffering from the natural disasters that have occurred around the world, bless them. Bless Miss Jennifer, Lord. Uh, we pray that you'd help her and Bryson as he travels overseas back to France. Bless our missionaries on the field, Lord, and give them souls for their labor. God, help us to, uh, Lord, get serious about the ministry of evangelism and getting the gospel out into our community and around the world. Bless all the unspoken requests, God, burdens, uh, Father, Lord, that uh, lay heavy on our hearts, God, that we might not have shared uh, with the congregation tonight. Bless those that may be watching or listening later on uh, uh, Father, I pray you comfort the, the um, comfort their hearts, our sick and our shut-in. Lord, those that are in hospitals, God, uh, those who are lonely tonight, those that uh, just doesn't have anybody to care about them, Lord, help them to know that they still have a friend in Jesus, Lord. And God, I pray, God, that everything that's said and done here tonight would bring honor and glory to thy name. And God, we're going to praise you in advance. Uh, realize, God, that you ordained this service, God, before uh, Lord, uh, the worlds were ever framed. So God, we commit it to Thee, and Lord, we're going to give You glory in advance for what we believe You're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Dad, if you'd come and uh, receive the offering tonight, we will take up uh, our um, Sunday night offering uh, at this time. You pray, sir.
that uh, we have a friend in Jesus. Are you? that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Thank God for that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've had some friends uh, over the course of my life that have been unfaithful. Amen. You couldn't count on them. You couldn't depend on them. One thing about it, Jesus is a faithful friend. Amen. He'll be true to his word. He'll do for us just exactly what he said he'd do. Amen. Praise God. All right, uh, have a message tonight that we're going to preach, but before we do, surely somebody has a song, uh, amen, uh, something on your heart, a word of testimony, uh, amen, maybe something that, uh, something that God uh, showed you through this morning's service, the message, uh, amen, whatever it is that the Lord's laid on your heart, you mind the Lord tonight, amen. God's good, isn't he, church? God been good to anybody tonight. Amen. Amen, Ellen. Okay, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Bless his heart. Amen. Amen. Well, I know that uh, Miss Ellen, if there's ever been a tough, tough lady, it's Miss Ellen. But I think that that uh, knee replacement just about got the best of her. But God's been faithful and he's brought her this far. And friend, I'm telling you, you don't have to look very far to find somebody who's in worse shape than you're in. Amen. If you've got health tonight, if, if, uh, if God woke you up and allowed you to get out of bed and come to church, well, you have something to be thankful for because there's a lot of people that would love to be here tonight and they're just simply not able. 
Uh, amen. So I'm thankful that God gives us this grace and strength to be able to come to church. Amen. Appreciate that. Somebody else tonight before we go any further in this service. God been good to you. Well, I've given them a pass the first couple of weeks back, but uh, tonight they're not going to get a pass. I want to ask Holly and the girls to come and sing before I preach this evening. So, amen, girls. I know you're rusty, but We can sing that again, yes. You missed it this morning. Okay, yes, ma'am. Amen. Praise God. That's right. Amen. And if you think I'm going to buck my mother-in-law, you're crazy. So. <laughs> All right, girls, come on, Holly.
sins are forgiven, amen, and I've been washed by the blood of the Savior. All right. We'll sing my home again for Miss Linda this evening. Are you glad you saved tonight, church? Amen. Praise the Lord.
Well, that's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank God for His presence this evening. You don't have to have a crowd to have the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'd rather have a few, rather have a handful and the Lord to show up than I have a, amen, an auditorium or an arena filled with uh, carnal and uh, amen, compromising and uh, amen, fleshly motivated worship. Amen. It's not a word. It's not true worship. Amen. They that worship Him must do so in spirit and in truth. Amen. Praise God. Uh, appreciate that. Think about those Rechabites that we studied about on Wednesday night in the Book of Jeremiah. They chose, amen, to dwell in tents. They. Uh, they, they uh, abstain from the, the worldly indulgences, uh, amen, that um, everybody else was partaking of, but God blessed them uh, for their stand. God blessed them for their separation. And uh, we've got to be willing to uh, suffer the reproach of Jesus. Uh, we've got to be willing to suffer with, just as he did outside the camp, amen. You'll never make a difference unless you're willing to be different. Amen. So praise God for that. Uh, any others tonight before we preach? All minds and hearts clear. Yeah. That's good. Do more of that, and praise Him more. To praise Him, Jesus said, "Outside these walls, don't let people know outside these walls that He's my God, He's my Savior, and He's worthy of my praise and everything that I have, everything that I've ever done that's working upon the throne of God." Amen. Praise God. Worship is a personal thing before it can ever be a congregational thing. You're wasting your time to come to church and worship the Lord if you don't spend any time through the week doing it. Amen. You ought to worship the Lord and, uh, as you study your Bible, drinking your coffee. Uh, amen. Worship, worship is personal. It's private. And then it becomes public. Amen. If, you're, if the only place you uh, worship Jesus is in his house... Amen. I don't think he's pleased with your worship. Do you? All right. Anyone else tonight? Amen, brother. That's right. <laughs> Anything we can do for Christ. You know, we want to, we want to, uh, amen, we want to 
categorize and amen say well this one's more important than that one and the preacher's more important than the janitor or whatever but listen anything I can do uh, for Christ is a big deal to him and I think there's going to be some people that never was in the limelight that never uh, their name was never on a marquee or on a billboard amen they're going to, some of those are going to get the greatest reward of all because man may not uh, notice what you do, but God is keeping a record, aren't you? And God's not going to shortchange anybody. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna receive a reward just exactly, uh, amen, as uh, according to the works you've done for him and in his name. Amen. I'm not saved by works, but I am saved unto good works. Amen. And it, as we said this morning, it is a labor of love. And if you're not willing to put forth any effort, uh, amen, you'll never, you'll, never, uh, you'll never get anything done for you. Praise God. Anyone else tonight? All minds and hearts clear. I think we can already say it's been good to be in his house. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 34. That's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter number 34 tonight. Really believe this is where God would have us to be this evening. We kind of alluded to it to, to it this morning, and we're going to kind of use this morning's message to uh, springboard right into tonight's, and believe God be pleased um, with this. You pray for me tonight as I preach that the Lord would help me to share His Word um, according to His will. Uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number thirty-four, verse number one, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab under the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, unto Dan, and all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar, and the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley. Who buried him? Well, God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. Uh, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended, and Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened 
unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Boy, I don't know about you, I want it to be said about my life that I know the Lord face to face. Amen. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his, uh, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. With the Lord's help tonight, I want to preach on this thought, so close, yet so far away. So close, yet so far away. Father in heaven, I do love you. Lord, I do thank you tonight for this blessed privilege we have to come into your house and, Lord, gather in your midst, in your name, with your people. Uh, Lord, most of all, as we glean uh, from your word. God, we've done our best to sing songs that would uplift you. And Lord, uh, we pray that everything that's been done in the service thus far, uh, Lord, would uh, be pleasing in thy sight. Uh, but Lord, um, Father, Lord, we know that the primary reason we come to church is not to see or to be seen or to sing or even to testify or to brag on ourselves or each other. But God, we're here to praise your name. And most of all, we're here to extol your word. And Lord, I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful, God, that it is a trustworthy book. God forever settled in heaven, Lord. Uh, Lord, it is a settled book. There's nothing the devil can do to destroy it. Uh, Lord, it is the uncorruptible seed of the Word of God. So Lord, use us tonight as we preach to share these truths as you've imparted them to us. Lord, challenge our faith and renew our zeal. And Lord, help us to learn the lessons of this great man of God, Lord. And uh, God, I pray when it's all said and done, we might be able to say, that it's been good to be in your house. And Lord, uh, Father, that uh, your, your name might be exalted, your word, uh, Lord, might be proclaimed by way of your humble servant. Praise you in advance for what you're going to do. If there might be one amongst us tonight that's lost, help us to never take for granted, Lord, that there might be some lost soul in our midst. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, all God's people said, Amen. All right, y'all, help me preach tonight. Uh, don't leave me hanging. You helped me this morning. But we see here what, in my opinion, is one of the saddest accounts in all the Scriptures, and that is the death of uh, God's great servant Moses. When you study the Word of God, you're going to have a hard time finding a greater man than Moses, a man that God used mightily, performed miracles, accomplished things that no other man could accomplish, especially known as being the great deliverer of Israel, the one who led God's people uh, out of Egypt's bondage. Amen. Moses uh, was a wonderful man. Uh, amen. Um, God called him. Uh, of course, he was born in the household of Pharaoh. But, you know, God protected him. And there came a point in time where the Bible says, uh, believes in the book of Hebrews, that Amen. That Moses chose um, to reject the the blessings of uh, of Pharaoh's house. Uh, amen. Choosing instead to suffer reproach amongst his uh, his own people, rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. You know, if God's ever going to use us to do anything great for His name, uh, we're going to have to make some choices. Amen. There's too much compromise in our world today. There's too many folk trying to straddle the fence and say, Oh, I want God to use me, but 
Amen. I want my proverbial cake and eat it too. Uh, I want to enjoy my sin. I want to live a lifestyle of worldly indulgence. Amen. And then uh, do something great for God. No, friend, you're going to have to make some hard choices in your life. Which side you're going to be on? Where are you going to stand? Who are you going to serve? Amen. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why halt ye between two opinions? Who is on the Lord's side? No man can serve two masters. Moses made that choice. And God put him on the back side of the, uh, of the desert tending uh, amen, to his father-in-law's sheep. And one day he saw a bush that was on fire but never did. It was not consumed. And God called him. Uh, to be Israel's great deliverer. You remember uh, how that the Lord said, Moses, take off your shoes for the place wherein you stand is holy ground. And uh, Amen. God commissioned him to be Israel's great deliverer. He tried to use every excuse in the book uh, as to why he couldn't. He said, I, I'm not a man of eloquent speech. Uh, amen. And, uh, but the Lord gave him a voice in, in, in Aaron, hallelujah, to speak for him. Uh, how many of you believe tonight that uh, where God guides, He'll provide? Amen. If God sends you somewhere, He'll equip you and give you the ability to get the job done. Hallelujah. Uh, but then, you know, He said, well, Lord, who, who should I tell Him sent me? And uh, God said, just tell Him, I am that I am hath sent me. Amen. Not I was or not I will be, but the one who always has been and the one who always will be. Amen. Jehovah. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. Uh, so God used Moses. God used Moses mightily. And by no means would anything I say in tonight's message take away from the life that Moses lived and the things that he accomplished. Amen. I dare say there's just not too many that, uh, men that, or women that have ever walked the face of the earth uh, that have the track record, amen, that have the, uh, uh, amen, uh, uh, that have the, uh, what am I trying to say? When, uh, the resume, that's the word, the resume that Moses had. But yet, as great as he started out, and as much as God used Moses' life, I think in some ways we must say that his life ended, ended in failure. And that's hard to say because, again, when I compare myself against him, uh, amen, I guess that'd make all of us a failure. Hallelujah. But to think that a man could do so much and that a man could accomplish so many things, but yet, when it's all said and done, make a tragic mistake uh, towards the end of his life that caused him to forfeit what would have been the greatest of all blessing, that which he had dreamed about, that which he wanted to see happen uh, more than anything else in the world, and that is to have the privilege not only to lead God's people out of Egypt and through the wilderness, but to lead them into the promised land. Amen. But because Moses made uh, the wrong choice at the wrong time, he forfeited and he became ineligible to complete uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I believe Moses died outside the will of God. Amen. I, I really, listen, God's will is never for you to die in Moab. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants you to die. Where are you going to die? Amen. How are you going to finish? It's not just about how we start out. But listen, I want, 
I want my last days to be my best days. Amen? And I don't want it to be said uh, when somebody's preaching preaching my funeral to say, Oh, uh, Brother Nick used to be a preacher. Brother Nick used to be faithful to the local church. Or Brother Nick used to be on fire for God and, and not be ashamed to tell people about Jesus. And, and boy, at one point in time, God used him in a great and a mighty way. But boy, somewhere along the way, he went, went astray and went off track and and uh, sad to say, his life did not end uh, within the confines of God's perfect will. Friend, that'd be a tragedy, wouldn't it? But yet it's the story of so many people in our world today. I know a lot of people that I used to look up to. I, I, I know some people that I used to have confidence in. Uh, amen. That, used to, that, that blazed a trail for me, that set an example for me to walk. But for whatever reason, they're no longer in church. They're no longer uh, on fire for God. They're no longer faithful. But somewhere along the way, they, they became uh, discouraged. Maybe they got hurt. Hallelujah. Maybe they became wounded. And, and the devil, uh, amen, provided them with some excuse to justify uh, throwing in the towel, laying down the sword, and quitting on God. I can't think of any greater tragedy in my life than to quit on God. Uh, in light of the fact that God didn't quit on me. You know, Jesus had a reason to give up on us, but He didn't. If anybody, uh, amen, should have should have, should have, uh, said, well, you know, that old sinner, that old wicked bunch of sinners, they're not worth dying for. Christ had that reason, but yet He loved us so much. He wanted to fulfill His Father's will. Amen. When it was all said and done, uh, as he, as he uh, breathed his last breath, dying from the cross, amen, he said confidently, he said, it is finished. I finished the job. My father gave me. Boy, I want that to be said about my life. Not that I was perfect, because I, I, I'm not. Not that I didn't uh, mess up, because I have. Not because, uh, amen, I didn't falter and, and fail and stumble along the way. Because I have in the past and I will again in the future. But because I was faithful. And I didn't let the, uh, the hiccups and the storms and the trials and the discouragements and the frustrations. Amen. The valleys. The injustices. Uh, amen. The, the, the things that happened in my life that just didn't make sense to me. Amen. Caused me to. Amen. The, the intimidation of the devil. Amen. When he surrounds me and. Tries to get me to surrender, yet still I was faithful. Amen. Do you know that's the, that's the most basic requirement that God has for your life. Moreover, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Didn't say that you, that you become, that you're popular. Amen. That you're successful, that you're on the front of GQ magazine. Amen. That, uh, uh, amen, that, that you're wealthy. Amen, that uh, you're the, the prince of preachers, hallelujah, but that you're faithful. And boy, if, if a man can say from the beginning to the end of his life, I've been faithful, then your life has been a success. Amen. Could we even say tonight, and here I go again, just getting off, but could, could we even say tonight that as we examine Joshua's life alongside Moses' life and when we would think about Moses and Joshua, truly Joshua was a great man.
but surely that Moses was a greater man. But yet when we compare them, the one thing that Joshua could say about his life that Moses couldn't say, Joshua was faithful unto the end. One thing you see from the beginning of Joshua's life as a young man, a middle-aged man, serving as uh, Moses' second-hand man, his right-hand man, until the very day he preached his last sermon in Joshua chapter 24. Amen. Joshua was faithful. Amen. And you know, the longer I live, the more I realize just how few people can say that. Amen. Maybe you're faithful for a little while. Maybe you're faithful... Uh, most of your life, but yet somewhere along the, the way, you become unfaithful to God. And as a re result, we must say that your life is not as successful as it could have been or should have been. So, amen, so many things we could say about this, but let me just give you some things tonight. Hope it will challenge all of us. Boy, the Lord sure has stirred my heart as I studied these verses. Again, uh, we... Alluded to this this morning, but I believe God would have us to preach on it tonight. There's a location, verse number 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And what, you, what I want you to notice here is just how, and this is where I get the title of tonight's message, So Close Yet So Far Away. Uh, I'm talking about somebody that made it to the very threshold of the land of Canaan. Again, I'm not talking lost or saved. I'm just talking about the best that God had for His life. Just like we talked about the eye of the hurricane, amen. And the closer that you get to the center of that storm, the more intense those rain bands and those storm, those storm winds become, amen. You can, you can get so close, but yet you can still be so far away. And friend, when it comes to living for God, close don't cut it. You know who, who provides us with another example of this? Caleb. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Caleb. Of course, Caleb, along with Joshua, was, the, the, was the, uh, one of the spies who came back with the favorable report. He said, yeah, I see those giants. Amen. Make us look like, uh, like grasshoppers. But yet I believe we can conquer them because God said we could. Amen. And amen, they remained faithful and they inherited. They, Caleb and Joshua did what Moses could not do. They were faithful and God blessed them and rewarded them. But you know what? The outstanding attribute and the number one primary characteristic of Caleb's life, the Bible says over and over again as you study Caleb's life that he wholeheartedly followed the Lord his God. Amen? Boy, if, if, God, if people could say about that about me, if that could be the our epitaph, if somebody could put that on my gravestone at the end of my life, that I was a wholehearted follower of the Lord. Amen? You know how few, most of us are half-hearted. Amen? Most of us, again, have one foot in, but one foot out. Amen? We want a little bit of Canaan, but we, want some, we, we still want some of Egypt too, right? Amen. We want to, we want, we say, oh God, would you do great things in my life? But we want those, the pleasure of sin for a season. Caleb was a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I don't want to just get in a little bit. He said, I, amen, I don't want to just put my foot in the water. Amen. I, I, I want to go all the way for Jesus. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, I don't want just a little bit of what God has in store for me. I want everything. 
He said, I want that mountain. And God blessed him because he was a wholehearted follower of the Lord his God. Moses made it to the very verge and the very threshold of Canaan. As close as he got, Moses never entered into the promised land. You say, preacher, well, he went further than some. Amen. Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, amen. Uh, well, Brother Nick, I, I, I went farther with God than Brother such and such or Sister so and so. They're not your standard. Jesus is. Amen. So I'm telling you, even though Moses made it 99% uh, uh, to the very threshold uh, of Canaan land. Amen. He saw Jericho, the place where they won their first battle, but yet still he never went all the way with God. Never fulfilled his potential. And this goes right along with what we preached about this morning. All right, so that's the location. Uh, amen. Let me, let me share it. Let's, let's, let's go back and look at something real quick. Turn with me to Numbers chapter number 20. I want to make sure that you know the context and the, back, uh, the background of this passage. What was Moses' fatal mistake that got him in trouble and caused him to miss out on the best that God had in store for his life? Turn with me to Numbers 20 tonight. And may I remind you, the quicker you turn, the quicker I get done preaching. Hallelujah. Boy, the pages start turning in, don't they? Amen. Number chapter number 20, if you find your place, say amen. Verse number 2, the Bible says, And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. By the way, this isn't the first time that they'd done it. Do you know Moses provides us with a good example for every preacher or pastor? I mean, putting up with what he put up with. Dealing with what he dealt with, Amen. And I mean, no matter how good he was to him, no matter how many miracles God performed through him, amen, no matter how many times God came through and made a way when there was no way, every time they found themselves in a rock and a hard place, they turned against the man of God, amen. But uh, uh, that's right. The Bible says the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died uh, when our brethren died before the Lord. I mean, you know, that's, that's what kind of perspective? You remember last week we talked about perspective? You know, in other words, so many times life's what we make out of it. Do we see the glass half full or glass empty? You say, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. God's still being good to you. Do you see the chariots of iron or do you see the chariots of fire tonight? What's your perspective? They said, good, would to God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. What a statement. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness? That we and our cattle should die. They start blaming Moses. Amen. And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? Anytime you begin viewing the will of God for your life as an evil place, amen, you've gotten off track, brother. God's never going to bring you into an evil place. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Everything that God does is good on our behalf. It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. See, what the problem is, they just wasn't there yet. They just needed to wait a little longer. Amen. Neither is there any water to drink. Moses, all those things you'd promised us, 
Where are they at? Well, they have the opportunity, but they fail to claim the blessings of God when they had the chance. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Friend, I want to remind you that complete obedience is important. Do you know partial obedience is disobedience? Right? Uh, amen. Saul was guilty uh, of partially obeying the, the Lord. And as a result, God judged him and rent the king, kingdom from him. Uh, and uh, again, uh, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth this water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. Amen. Now, I think every preacher can relate to this. And he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. I remind you that the rock was only smote once. <laughs> once was enough for Jesus to be smote, hallelujah, or to be smitten, hallelujah. You say, well, that's, what's a big deal? I mean, again, uh, you know, doesn't the end justify the means? No, friend, not with God. Amen. It's either complete obedience or it's disobedience. And Moses, uh, amen, uh, he smote the rock twice and water came out abundantly. I just want to remind you, church, the consequences of sin. There's no such thing as big sin or little sin. Amen. Disobedience is an egregious and a grievous sin in the Lord's sight. The congregation drank and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Isn't that the way the devil works? Amen. Boy, the consequences of sin are always greater than what the devil shows us. Do you think Moses could have ever imagined that this one time when he lost his temper, he became frustrated with the people of God, amen, and, and he used his frustration as an excuse for disobedience, but I'm telling you, the price for his sin was greater than he could have ever imagined. All right, there's a revelation back to our text. Uh, verse number 1, And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, unto Dan and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, and unto the utmost sea in the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar, God gave Moses a glimpse and a vision of what he could have done, what he would have done, and what he wanted to do is Moses had only been faithful. You know, this reminds me of what we preached this morning about the judgment seat of Christ and how Paul referred to it as a, uh, amen, a terrifying, he called it the terror of the Lord. And friend, you may turn a blind eye and a deaf ear in this life to your uh, incompetence, 
to your laziness and your unwillingness to, to serve God and to live for Him. But one of these days, God's going to confront you with the reality of the choices and decisions you made to settle for less than the best that God had in store for your life. One of these days, God is going to, I believe this with all my heart, on Judgment Day, God's going to say, all right, Brother Nick, here's what you did for me. Here's what you could have done. Here's what you would have done. Here's what you should have done if you'd only been faithful. And friend, that, 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 that is a terrifying... Anybody say tonight, and I always get in trouble, you know, you know, Brother Nick, I've done some things for the Lord, but, there's, but I, I should have done more than what I have done. And man, I should have told more people about Jesus than what I have taught. I should have been a better witness. I, I could have spent more time studying my Bible than what I have. I could have been faithful to my local church. I, I could have spent more time in, in prayer. There are some areas of my life, amen, that I let slide and I let go, that are things that I should have dealt with, amen, things that have held me back. You know, there's so many things that God would like to do, and that's what happened to David when Nathan the prophet confronted him over his sin and the Lord used Nathan to expose David's sin and that prophet pointed his bony finger in the face of a man after God's own heart and he said, here's all that I've done for you. He said, and I would have done such and such. And I'll never forget Luther Spivey preaching that message right here at this church in his pulpit and said, I would have done such and such. Oh, friend, what? Would God do? What could God do for United Baptist Church? Did you know I had, again, I, I quoted it this morning, but I hadn't seen, ear hadn't heard. It's not even entered in the heart of men, the things that God hath prepared, not just in heaven, but right now, the things that God wants to do in your life and in your family, amen, and, and, and in our church, but yet we settle for less than the best. We're content in the wilderness rather than cross over into Canaan. You know, another story that illustrates this truth is when, uh, amen, after the Babylonian captivity, God's people spent 70 years, in, uh, amen, in ba first in Babylon, then with the Persians, and then God used men like Zerubbabel and Nehemiah and Ezra to lead back the remnant to rebuild the walls. But did you know that most of God's people chose to stay, uh, in, uh, amen, with the, the, what was convenient? They're convenient, the luxury of Persia, rather than to go back to Canaan land. Did you know that's what most people settle? I mean, mo most people, uh, amen, most people, most Christian people have, you know, amen, all, you, all it takes is just a little bit of an appetite for the things of the world. Just taste some of the pleasures of sin for a season, amen, and your flesh will choose uh, carnal things over godly things uh, any day of the week, amen. I don't want to be a settler. I want to strive for the best that God has prepared for my life. Amen. I don't want my family to suffer because I settle for less. Amen. I don't want my children to suffer because I choose to settle for the wilderness when I could have Canaan. Amen. That's right. I don't want to just see it. I want to experience it. Amen? Uh, I, I don't want to see somebody else having what God. You listen, you, you keep your inheritance. I want to keep mine. I don't want somebody else to, 
enjoy the inheritance that God had prepared for my life, for my ministry, for my family, for my church. Hallelujah. Revelation, that's what we saw. Now there's a contradiction. Verse number 4. Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. What a sad testimony. Did you know that Moses, in essence, was of the seed of Abraham? He was a son of Abraham. He was his heir. And that reminds me of the world you and I are living in. Amen. Uh, amen. I'm, a, I'm an heir of my ancestors. Those who blazed the trail and paved the way for my life. That have passed down my godly heritage and the legacy that I have. You know, raised in church, brought to church. Amen. From the moment that I, that's all I've ever known is the things of God. But you know what we've done? We've forfeited the inheritance that our forefathers passed down to us. We've neglected our heritage. We've neglected our legacy. And instead of cherishing it and valuing it, amen, we forfeited it, amen. And amen, Moses lost out on that which, uh, which God uh, wanted him to have because he was an heir of Abraham. God help us. I'm going to let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over thither. Amen. You know, somebody else, see, God let Moses see it, but he didn't let him experience uh, the blessings because of his sin. You know, somebody else that we could relate that to, David. You know, David was a great man. I don't care what you say, David was a great man. David was a sinner. But you know what? David was a worshiper. David loved the Lord. He was a worshiper. Amen. Not just public worship, but privately. You know, he was a warrior. Amen. He was a worker. But more than anything else, David was a worshiper of the Lord. He's God. And you know what? He spent so much of his life, amen, preparing a place of worship. Amen. He wanted, he wanted God to have a permanent place. For so long, Israel, uh, amen, had had a tabernacle. But yet David wanted God to have a temple. And I believe God's perfect will would have been for David to be the one responsible for building the temple for God. I mean, can you think of anything? I'm telling you all the things. Listen, slaying Goliath was great, but building a temple for Jehovah would have, uh, would have, would have, trumped slaying Goliath. Amen. But yet because David sinned. God let David provide the blueprints for the temple. He even collected the materials and prepared, but yet he never saw the temple built. Instead, his son Solomon. And that's great, and I'm sure David was pleased about the fact that but listen, even though it was Solomon, it could have and it should have been David. But yet he forfeited the greatest blessings that God had in store for him all because he chose a little pleasure and sin for a season over the best things that God had for his life. Saul's another one. Amen. What God, Saul had everything. He had all the qualities to do. Do you know God's not impressed by your talent? 
Amen. I don't care how talented you are. It's not about talent. It's not about ability. It's about your availability. It's about whether or not you choose to give yourself to God. And God can use uh, the, the non-talented. God can use, amen, uh, the one with the less ability as long as they are willing and able to lend themselves completely and wholeheartedly unto the Lord their God. Do you know God can take a little and make a lot out of it? God doesn't need us. Amen? God just, God's just looking for a willing vessel. Yeah, man. Termination. Verse number 5. You're going to like this. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. You know, just as Moses died, we're going to die too. I ain't going to live forever. Now, I may act like it. Amen? You know, you need to live with a conscious awareness of your own mortality. Do you know, we live, in a, we live in a society that just certainly has no fear of God, but they have no fear of death. They, they live like they're going to live forever. I mean, they don't want to face the facts of their own mortality. I don't care who you are tonight. I'm not just talking about the old folk. I'm talking about the young people too. Friends, you're going to die one day, and you need to live your life with a conscious awareness one of these days, amen, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. In other words, not only are you going to die, but one day you're going to stand before God and give an account for the way you've lived your life. Amen. Uh, Moses' life did not last forever. You know, we need to make the most of our life. We need to make our lives count every single day. Uh, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time is running out. Uh, hell is enlarging herself every day. Men and women are dropping off into the flames and fires of a devil's hell uh, by the millions. And we act as if everything's just peachy keen and no big deal. We need to live our lives not just with a conscious awareness of our own mortality, but with an awareness of the mortality of sinners as well. Man, God allowed my paths to cross with today with a man that's lost, a man that I've witnessed to, a man of whom I preached a funeral and he fell in under old time Holy Ghost conviction. But if he were to die today, I believe he'd go to hell. Amen, that's a big deal. Amen, that's more important than you getting your belly full at the restaurant. Amen? Amen. We need to prioritize our lives in light of the fact that souls are perishing. Amen. It's good preaching. Ordination. Verse number four, not only did he die, excuse me, verse number five, but he died in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Now, it was according to the Lord's word for Moses to die in Moab, but it wasn't according to his perfect will. Amen. God don't want you to die in Moab, praise God. God wants you to die in Canaan. Amen. I believe God's perfect will for the life of the man of God was for him to be the one that led God. Hey, God wanted him to finish what he started. Amen. Again, listen, it don't matter how far you go with God if you quit. Amen? Your life is a failure if you don't go all the way for Jesus. 
There is no excuse for surrender. Your life will never be as hard as what Jesus went through for you. Most likely, your life will never be as hard as those who blazed the trail for you. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Amen. Your forefathers, those who literally laid down their lives and shed their blood so that you can have the faith that you possess tonight. Did you know that that Bible you hold in your lap, it was birthed in blood? Amen. When William Tyndall was burned at the stake for creating and publishing a Bible in the English-speaking language. But you know what we do? We neglect that book. That book was precious to our forefathers. Amen. That book was more precious to William Tyndall than the breath that was coming out of his lungs. Amen. But yet we neglect what God's give to us. Amen. I, I, I don't want to just start. Listen, I don't ever want the devil to convince me Amen, that I have a legitimate reason to quit on God because there is no excuse in light of what others have went through and what my Savior went through so that I could have what I have tonight. In oblivion, verse number 5, And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Phaar, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. Isn't that something? There was no monument, no memorial, no parade to celebrate Moses' life. Amen. In some sense, and again, I, I'm not trying to sensationalize things tonight, but in some sense, Moses was forgotten. He died a lonely and a forgotten man. Nobody was with him when he, when he died. What started out with such potential ended in great tragedy. Man. And, and it wasn't long ago that Moses... Amen, was the champion and the great deliverer of God's people. But yet, in some ways, his life ended in failure and in tragedy because he didn't finish right. God help. Provision, verse 6, and he was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes was not dim, nor his natural force abated. In other words, Moses couldn't blame his failure on any lack of resources. He had plenty of time. He had 120 years. Amen? He couldn't blame uh, his failure on poor health. Amen? Even at 120 years old, the Bible says that his eyes were not dim nor his natural force abated. He was without excuse and so are we. Did you know we live in a society, you know the devil's convinced us that we've got it harder than anybody else has ever had it. And I get it. As far as America is concerned, we live in tough days. But yet in some ways we've got more of an opportunity than anybody else's ever been given. You've got technology to share the gospel. Paul had to walk up and down the road. Amen. He, uh, amen. Jesus was homeless. We have the internet. We have all of these resources and tools that God has given to us to help us get the work of God done and get the job done. But yet we fail because the devil's convinced us of just how hard. And we've just got too many things going against us. No, we've got everything. You know what you have? You have God. And if you've got God, that's all you need. You know, the devil wants to convince United Baptist Church, and I realize I'm speaking to a few, but that's all God has ever needed was a few. God's convinced us all, man, we've just, we've been through too much. Amen. There's too many cards stacked against us. Amen. Uh, nobody in Greenville likes our pastor, praise God. Nobody liked Paul either, but God still used him. 
we got everything we need to do a great work for God at United Baptist Church. We are without excuse. Amen? Moses could not use his limitations because he had more, of enough, more than enough resources to get the job done. Oh, praise God, I feel like preaching tonight. There's a lamentation, verse number 8, I'm almost finished. Children of Israel wept for Moses in the plain. Oh, let me say this before I, before I go any further. Again, I've already said it's not about availability, or about ability, it's about availability. Listen, our success when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, it won't be measured by our potential, but by our performance. Amen? Potential means nothing. In, other, in reality, all potential does. Your potential, you say, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm going to heaven on my talent. Brother, you better be careful because the more gift, the more gifted you are, the more blessings you've received, the higher standard you're going to be held to on judgment day. Lamentation, verse number 8, The children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Now, listen, again, I'm not trying to say some sensationalized things, but could it possibly be tonight that they were weeping not just because they loved him, but they wept and they were sad because of how his life ended. How are you going to be remembered when you die? Do you know how you'll be remembered? You'll be remembered not for how you started, but how you finished. You won't be remembered for all the good things you did, but you'll be remembered by the last things you did. You won't be remembered by who you were and how you lived and, and, and what you did early on in life, but you'll be remembered for who you were at the end of your life. Are people going to celebrate your life? Now listen, I'm not, we ought not ever get glory for how we live, so to speak. But amen, are we going to be remembered as being a, a success story for Jesus or a failure? Because although we might have started out right, we ended on the wrong path. Wow. Could it be that not only that they were weeping because of the love they had for him, and no doubt about it, God's people loved Moses. But maybe they were weeping also because they were sad, because he never fulfilled his potential. He went all the way. He went 99.9. .9. He went to the very threshold of Canaan land, but he never fulfilled God's perfect will for his life. There's a replication, verse 9, And Joshua the son of Nun, amen, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now praise God for Joshua, but in one sense, amen, Joshua was a slap in Moses' face because Joshua enjoyed that which God had prepared for Moses. I don't want somebody else, amen, listen, you can have your inheritance, but keep your hands off mine. Amen? Do your work for God, amen. But I don't want you to rob me. I don't want God, listen, I don't want God to use you because He couldn't use me. Once again, God don't need us. Moses was a great man, but he was expendable. He was replaceable. And if Moses was replaceable, then I am too, and so are you. Amen. We don't need to look at this thing, well, God, you know how we look at it, well, God can't get along, get, get along without me. Friend, he was doing fine before you ever come on the scene. And he's going to be doing fine uh, after uh, you have been forgotten about. The question is, 
Will God be able to use you because you yield yourself completely and wholly to His name and to His work? Amen. God had to... I mean, there came a point in time that God had to put Moses on the shelf and set him aside. And God had to turn away from Moses and turn to Joshua. And friend, that is in danger of happening to every single one of us. And it all depends upon our faithfulness. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God's a God of grace? God ought to kick me to the curb a long time ago. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a distinction. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like in Moses. He was not an average man. He was a great man whom God used to do great things, yet he could have done so much more. We don't want to negate what God did in and through the life of Moses, but I'm telling you, I mean, God could have done so much more with him and through him than what he did. Personalization, verse number 10, probably the greatest thing that could ever been said about Moses is the greatest thing that could be said about your life and my life, and that is the Lord knew him face to face. I want God to know me face to face. I want to be close to Him. I want to have an intimate and a personal relationship with the Lord my God. And that's one thing we can say about Moses. A commission, verse 11, in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And a demonstration and all that mighty hand and all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. So many good things we could say about him. So many lessons, both positive and negative, we can learn from his life. I tell you what, if it could be said about my life or your life that we were half the man Moses was, <laughs> that'd be something good, wouldn't it? But yet, the full measure of a man is not determined by what he does at the beginning of his life or over the totality of his life, but so much of a man's success is determined by the way he ends his life and whether or not he finishes well. Friend, what I will say is I believe we're living the last days. And I believe we're living in a time of a great falling away. We're seeing it right before our eyes. And you've heard me say many times, and that is that you are in danger of being a part of the falling away. You can be deceived. We live in a day of confusion and a day of deception. The devil's got more counterfeits out there than he ever has. Amen? And you better not settle by being in the outer bands of the hurricane, so to speak. You better press through the inner circle so that you find yourself, yeah, you might be right in the middle of the storm, so to speak, but you're in the eye, close to your Savior. That's where Jesus is. Amen. Where it's, amen, where the devil's breathing threatenings against you. The devil's intimidating you. The devil, amen, is trying his best to get you to become weary and well-doing and to throw in the towel and surrender and to give up. But yet I'd rather be in the perfect will of God with Jesus than I would be anywhere else in the world. Even if it's right smack dab in the middle of the storm. Friend, we're in a storm and I'm afraid it's going to get worse than what it is right now. We ain't seen nothing yet. Amen? So these are the days not to live a casual life and a 
life of complacency and carelessness and, you know, use excuses while we can't, amen, we got to get serious about serving the Lord. we got to be a Caleb, one who went all in and wouldn't settle for anything less than the best that God had for him. we got to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because I don't want my kids to miss out. I don't want my family. I don't want my church. I don't want the people that I am responsible for setting an example for. I don't want the youth of Greenville, Tennessee, amen, to fall by the wayside because they didn't have an example, uh, amen, of an old-fashioned, crazy-minded preacher who loved them enough to point them towards Jesus. Amen. If you're looking for an excuse to quit, you can find one. But yet I believe when we examine things the way God would have us to in the light of who He is and what He's done for us, I believe we've got every reason to be found faithful because we don't want to end up being a Moses. I want to be a Joshua, amen? Maybe not be the most popular, the most prominent, but when it's all said and done, I want to be found faithful. And I want my last days to be my best days. Let's all stand tonight. Father in heaven, I love you. I've done my best to preach. God, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help all of us from the pulpit to the pew to heed the message that's been given out today. Father, Lord, we're just trying to exhort.